Welcome to Bruin Source. This is Ed. This is Kevin. We're back uh, after a pretty demoralizing loss on the road to Utah. Um, not all is lost. This was almost expected, though, not in the way that it all kind of played out. But uh, here we are. So, do you, so Kevin, do you want to talk about what worked or what didn't first? Well, first off, that game was like watching paint dry. Um, right, so let's let's start there. Um, look, Colorado, Utah didn't have uh, obviously Cam Rising didn't play. Um, little short-handed and in, in, in a few positions, but our defense played their hearts out, uh, and they look for real. Uh, I, I mean, our our front seven does look like it's for real. Our pass rush does look like it's for real. Our run defense, um, again, the, the Raven scheme of having the, the defensive tackles plug the middle and then the linebackers swarming the gaps, like, that's working right now. And, and Utah tried, you know, by hook or by crook to find ways to run the ball, and they couldn't find it. So that has worked really well. And statistically right now, I mean, our, our defense is at a level that, like, frankly, we just haven't been at. Uh, in in the entirety of the Chip Kelly era, we're a, we're number nine overall in total defense, so that's really great. Um, but you know what? Uh, you can talk about the other side of this coin. Well, well, before we get there, I I think hats off to Danton Lynn. I think what's lost in all this uh, defensive turnaround is that we're doing this, and he's doing this largely with the same roster we had last year, same players. New scheme. It's what we we've been talking about for the last three years, and and we're seeing it happen now. We're seeing it happen. It's it's truly impressive. Now we can go and talk about Utah's lack of offense. You know, Cam Rising not playing. They they have their own injury bug going on there. The fact of the matter is that we won't march into Utah. We march into Rice Eccles. Regardless of who's playing on their offense, I, I don't care who it is, Utah is going to be a tough team at home for any team in the country. To hold them to seven offensive points the entire game, if you had told me that a week ago, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, three years ago, that UCLA would ever do that on the road against Utah, I would have laughed at you. Because that, yeah. is, that, that is an impressive thing to do. Yeah, but and not just that. We outgained Utah on the day. Um, you know, holding Utah and Rice Cycles to two hundred and nineteen yards of offense. Um, like that that is insane. Um and six of seventeen on third downs. Unfortunately, you know, only had the one turnover and probably on this day we were gonna need more than that, just the way that the game was going to flip the field and, and obviously, you know, to speak the obvious, the turnover battle was the difference uh, in the game. But 219 yards in Rice Eccles to a Utah team that is going to get better now uh, as we go along is definitely something to be proud of. This defense, I think, definitely is for real. The secondary still hasn't been tested yet, and you know we'll talk a little about over the next week or so about the next test that UCLA has against Washington State. That's probably where that test comes. But through four games, um, you know we we got a defense and we got a star. I think in, in Danton Lynn. Uh, I, I always had hope because, again, I, I really think this scheme is the way to go. And the Ravens, the, that, that coaching field over there, it's like, it's, it's like plucking honey out all, all the time. Um, and that part, I think, is really good. Yeah, the, the John Harbaugh coaching tree is, is becoming fairly wild, especially in the college ranks. But, I mean, so we have a star on the sidelines from a coaching perspective, so far at least. Again, I, I think you can argue the jury's still out a little bit, but early returns, I'm starting to believe in this defense. At least we know that this defense is going to be average, which is all we've been calling for for a while now. That in and of itself is a huge improvement, but I, I do think that um, you know Coach Lynn has us trending in the right direction here. Uh, it's, it's, it's largely... You know, I think on him at this point, he gets gets all the credit here. 
But let's talk a little bit about some of the personnel. I mean, Ken Medrano in this game, I think, really had a standout game. I I know we've been talking about Latu and and the Murphy twins, but uh, as kind of our defensive anchors, but I think Ken Medrano might have established himself as a defensive star for UCLA in this past game. And he's been showing flashes of this, but this game, it felt like he really put everything together and was just all over the field. I mean, the kid was doing everything. Always in the right place at the right time, and then just laid the wood whenever he got the chance. Um, I mean, he, 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 took, he, he brought some hard hits uh, all, all throughout the game. I thought our, our interior tackles um, largely controlled the line of scrimmage, um, and in many cases pushed it back. Uh, a lot of, Utah struggled in short yardage, which is just, it never happens. I don't think I've ever seen Utah struggle in third and twos and third and ones the way that they did in this game. So, yeah, I mean, the the the, the scheme, yes, but the personnel is stepping up, playing to their potential. The the pass rush again. Um, we got 15 sacks through four games here. Um, so again, that's that's another thing that looks like it's for real and will continue to go as, as we go on here because. Utah offensive line, that's always their strength. It's a line of scrimmage game. And UCLA won the battle at the line of scrimmage on defense uh, pretty much throughout this entire game. Let me ask you this. Is Danton Lynn our best defensive coordinator that we've had in 10 years? Let's say since Lou Spanos. Well, yeah, because where where does 10 years take us back to? (laughs) Lou Spanos. Right. So, like... (laughs) Lou, I mean that that defense is pretty good. We got to wait the whole year, I think, to to to, to wait on that one. Um, where, where did we finish in total defense that year? That's twenty twelve, right? Yeah, uh, I don't, I don't know. That's a good Let's question. See. So twenty twelve, we finished. Let's see here, fifty fourth. So hmm. we're okay. on, we're on we're on pace right now. We're definitely on pace. I can't think of another defensive coordinator. Well, remember in that Jeff, span, Jeff Ulbrich was Ulbrich. not re- probably not ready at the time. He's become a good coach in the NFL now. At the time, like not probably wasn't ready. Tom Bradley was was a complete and utter disaster. Yeah, um, and ever since then, I mean, obviously Jerry Ozanaro. N- enough said. We we don't speak his name on the show anymore. Sure. So. I mean, it's slim pickings here if we're talking about 10 years. So, I mean, you know what? Like, I, I'll, I'll call it right now. Yeah, he, he is the best defensive coordinator we've had, just just based on what, you, what we just went through right there. Louis Banos has just had a longer career um, than, than Danton Lynn has. Yeah, no, I I completely agree. I, 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 I think he is the best DC we've had in the last 10 years. I mean, Louis Banos... Put together a pretty solid defense. I mean, fifty fourth is is decent. Uh, I just remember his halftime adjustments were always insanely good. But Danton yeah. Lynn seems to be a guy who is scheming and plan game planning against these teams incredibly well right now, and really maximizing the personnel that we have. Uh, it's it's been truly impressive. Um, and what's frustrating when you look at it, to think that we had the makings of a pretty good, uh, a solid to good defense last season just makes you look back at last season in a little bit more anger than I probably should, uh, should do. But that, that, that frustrates me just a little bit. Well, and, and this right now is exactly the problem because I think we've always speculated that UCLA under Chip Kelly throughout the first two years. Let's just be let's just be really nice and throughout the first two years, right? Um, that UCLA under very Chip generous, Kelly, really generous, and, and UCLA, so UCLA under Chip Kelly, offense will always be at worst top twenty standard, top fifteen standard. Just pair that with an average defense, and you got the makings of something good there. Well, yeah. we've been we've been saying that, and I think we've been even out in our last episode. I think we said, you know, until we see it, 
we will always give Chip Kelly the benefit of the doubt on the offensive side of things. And exactly. I think I know where you're going with this. Well, look, uh, officially after this last game, I mean, I don't know what we were the week before, but we have dipped now from wherever we were all the way to 27th. So imagine how much, how high we would have had to be to get 230 yards, 240 yards of offense and only fall to 20, to, to 27. Can I, can I read you a really depressing stat from that game? Yeah, let's hear it. We rushed, we had 32 rushing attempts for nine yards. Nine for yards a grand rushing. total of 0.3 yards per rush. Yeah, so we talked about this last week, right? And, and I know a lot of... Nine teams, yards. No, I, I, yeah, and a lot of the attention goes to the first throw of the game for Dante Moore. But I think we talked about this last week. If UCLA was going to have a chance to win in Rice Eccles, we had to run the ball. We could not put this game on the shoulders of a, fir- a freshman quarterback going into that environment where Utah hadn't lost a game with fans. It, it's like us in basketball. like They hadn't lost a game with fans since like 2018 or something. Like It's been a long time. They've been dominant in that arena. And we were not going to go in there and put the entire game on his shoulders, throw it 35 times, and expect to win the game. Well, we did throw it 35 times. Um, and and to be clear, I don't think, for me, yes, Dante Moore played poorly, but I saw a lot of good things out of him there as well. I don't think this game and this loss rests on his shoulders at all. Uh, I, I th- In my opinion, this is on Chip Kelly. I, 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 and we've talked about this time and time again throughout his tenure. I think Chip Kelly, at this point, has proven himself to be a good offensive coach. I, I think there's no doubt about that. But he overthinks things. And he just sometimes fails to put our players in positions to succeed. I This game, you look back at it, was just boneheaded play call after boneheaded play call. Like, I don't understand the game plan here. It just... Didn't make any sense. There were so many things we could have done differently. You know, we ran a little bit better up the middle. We didn't do that enough. We didn't try to change, you know, move the pocket and change the launch point for Dante Moore. When we did do that a couple times, it worked. Max protection throughout the game. When we gave more time to throw the ball. He was able to make some from pretty good throws and and you know move the chains and and actually generate some offense. We went away from that in the most critical moments of the game. Just I, and then and then don't even get me started on that option play that we ran where we fumbled the ball. I mean that made zero sense whatsoever. And I just I can't fathom what was going through his head to call that. That just, to me is where we lost the game, not the first interception, because you could tell that we were not going to have many drives that were going to go down there and have a chance to score in the game. And so when we got down there, we really needed to cash that in. And why, when he hadn't run the entire... Like, running is not his strength. He's not a running quarterback. To run that play, um, when your offensive line is struggling and to, to run an option based on that, that that was the worst call of the game. Um, but even let's take that aside for a second, because I think this is there's there's a few ways to look at this. Because it was pretty clear that UCLA kept things pretty vanilla the first three weeks, and again up until now you give Chip Kelly the benefit of the doubt of that because especially last year, he would then take that and then introduce a whole bunch of stuff in those bigger games, which usually resulted in really good offensive production. And in this game, we didn't see any of that. So, so there's only a few possibilities here. Um, one is that, you know, Chip Kelly just completely didn't know what he was doing, and you know, th- that that's how that went. I'm inclined to say, probably not the case. I wonder if he just thought that this is all Dante Moore could execute. Like, he, this is what he's comfortable, like, putting in play for him. And if that's the case, I still think it's on Chip Kelly. Um, the quarterback. If, if that is the case, it makes that 
option play even more bizarre. So that so that's why the option play is unforgivable, like unforgivable to me. It's inexcusable. But the rest of it is like, is that what's really at play here? And then even with that, I I don't think we saw one one moving pocket. I don't think we saw you know one quick rollout drop um, to an easy flat. I don't think we saw any of that stuff. In Utah, pretty much was in in man coverage a lot of the game to to press up on receivers and then teed off with their pass rush. I didn't see a screen to 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 slow down the pass rush. You know, I I didn't see a lot of this stuff. And you know that Chip Kelly has that in the bag. Why we didn't see it, I have no idea. And this comes to my second theory of why all that was. I just I don't think he trusts this offensive line right now to 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 execute a whole lot of things either. And that I think is really the most un- unforgivable part about this because we've given Chip Kelly the benefit of the doubt because offensive line recruiting has been bad by the standards of if you follow recruiting services and things like that. But UCLA's line play has been really good the last couple of years, and when those things happen, you're like, all right, well, you know, let's trust the coach because clearly he's putting something good together there. But this was bad, man. This looked really bad against a Utah defensive line that had a lot of players out. Um, like, I think it was, they were saying it on the broadcast, right, that, like, if another edge player went down, like, they didn't have one. They, 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 they would have had to probably stick a linebacker there or something. So that looked really bad, and those two things together is, I mean, the fact that you have to go to a seven-man protection every time to just have a chance to throw the ball is embarrassing in and of itself against, like, a four- or five-man rush. You know, that, that by itself is, like, a problem. But then, like, if that's the thing that was working and got you all the way to the end of the game, like, why didn't we stop that at the last drive of the game? Like, Dante Moore has been getting slammed, and so only the max protect that's, like, keeping him alive. Naturally, if you take that away from him in this in the very last drive, like, he's going to feel the pressure. He's going to be looking at the rush. And it's it, it made no sense. Um, he, it was... We were not prepared to play um, at this stage of Chip Kelly's tenure to have an offensive line this ill prepared that just doesn't look like they're up to it. That that was just really shocking. And I don't know what the solution is for the uh, the offensive line right now. I mean, Bruno Fina and Kadire on the on in the le- the left tackle spot. Neither of those guys looked good. Um, Duke Clemens in the as center, not good. Um, Topaki, I I know he played a little bit this game. I think he's still coming up to speed. So I hopefully getting him healthy, uh, healthier. I guess I should say will help a little bit. But I, God, I I. I haven't seen such terrible UC, like O-line play at UCLA in a very, very, very long time. And you know that Chip Kelly knows how to scheme around a mediocre to bad O-line. I mean, we when he first got here in the, the first couple of years, we did not have a great O-line. Um, yet we were still able to generate yards and generate some offense. And again, this game was just bizarre. We did not try to take any pressure off of the O-line either with it just none of this this play call made sense like if i'm giving chip kelly a grade here like he is getting an f straight up like an f minus on this game call it's just it was poor all around there's no there was zero aspects of it that were positive in my opinion yeah and and and, and now we enter i think a really critical stretch of games here because Look, if it happens once, it's an anomaly. But again, UCLA's offensive line recruiting has been, by by any standard of any high major program anywhere, it's been bad. Um, and you know, you can play the card of well, we have recruited and developed and really scouted out the right talent for us, and and you can do that when 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 it looks good. But we always kind of fear. Well, what happens when that one? You know, diamond in the rough doesn't pan out, and what happens when you lose one too many, and that transfer doesn't plug and play in the way that Raekwon O'Neal did last season, for example? What will that look like? And there's just a fear right now. I think that oh shit, is that where we're at right now? So we got to turn the ship around quickly. It's it's absurd, right? When you think about classes like what was it twenty one or twenty two, we brought one 
offensive lineman in, right? Sam Yoon, local kid. Um, that was it. One one offensive line recruit. <laughs> like, yes. Yeah. I don't even know what to say to that. There's obviously no depth um, when you do that. You're limiting the talent that's coming in. Like, it's just a boneheaded thing to do. Um, that being said, I don't know. I don't know if it's a lack of talent really right now or not, but something needs to give. I don't know if it's Trevno. Might not be a good coach, not coaching these guys up. Uh, maybe it was masked in the last year or two with guys like John Gaines and Antonio Moffi, who are NFL guys, you know, mask some of the, the shortcomings there. I don't know. It's it's uh, an unforgivable thing to have in year six of your program to be this bad at O-line when you hang your hat on the offensive side of the ball. It's plain and simple. Like it's it's not acceptable as a head coach at this point. The, yeah, right now it, it doesn't even look like Pac-12. It, it didn't look Pac-12, Pac-12 standard. Um, no. And, and, and so that that's where I think things get scary. Now, having said that, obviously Utah, like to state the, the, the very obvious, Utah is really good. They're also, uh, they're tied with us ninth in total defense. They also make a living getting after the quarterback. Right now they got 14 sacks on the year. So, Maybe we look back on this, and this is a case of, well, Utah just really just scouted out UCLA really well, and their hats beat our hats on the day. And maybe it turns out like that. But we're going to find out really fast, because Washington State, uh, they don't play great defense. Um, They're 89th in total defense, and they're coming in here next. Washington State does not get out to the quarterback very well. 77th in that, so they got eight sacks on the year. So th- we're going to find out real fast uh, what's what's going on here. Is this a case of, you know, our offense has taken a major step back, or is this a case of, you know, hey, uh, not not great, but hey, it wasn't as bad as we saw against Utah? Yeah. I, I think o- O-line is a, is a major question mark, obviously. Um the other major failure in this game on the offensive side of things were the receivers, which was shocking to me. You know, we've talked extensively about how we think that this is probably the best receiving room UCLA has had in 20 plus years, maybe. Um, and we saw drop after drop after drop in critical situations of the game. I mean, the biggest one was the the Josiah Norwood drop where he basically was walking into the end zone untouched. Uh, Just, it it was reminiscent of that Arizona game last season where we just forgot how to catch a ball. This seems to happen at the most critical junctures of our season. Again, it's still early, but, you know, being in a position to win in Utah is rare. We were in a position to win, and we hang on to two, three, four of those catches. Uh, we might win that game. Like we might be uh, looking at a different outcome here. Yet, well, for not, whatever reason, we just we couldn't hang on to the damn ball. And well, not just that. Who knows? Like if we completed a couple more of those balls, that you're, we got a freshman quarterback. If the receivers truly are the leaders of of our offensive room. Then they gotta forget the wide open balls they drop. Like some other, you gotta come up with some tough catches, man. In a, in a tough yeah. road environment, if if you're, you gotta come up find a way to keep the ball and and help your quarterback out. Especially when you see that you can't run the ball, your quarterback's struggling, your offense line's struggling. If that ball comes your way, you gotta hang on. Forget Josiah Norwood's wide open drop, which obviously that that was terrible. But even otherwise. Um, I didn't think they helped him helped helped our quarterback out in any way really. Uh, I, there was a lot of you know five yard drops. There was ten yard drops. It was Josiah Norwood that we saw at the end zone, which and I don't want to just pick on him, but overall production there was was disappointing. And what I hope happens from the coaching staff this week is you know you got to coach those guys up to to take some responsibility where you're the the main talent in the room here. You're the main experience. 
Uh, and if we're going to go anywhere this year, if our offense is going to get back on track and even be a, a top 30 offense by the time the year ends, it's going to have to come from this group. And ho- hopefully that's that's how the coaches take this because, yeah, the Dante Moore obviously struggled, but bad offensive line, receivers dropping balls, he, ha- he there was not a whole lot of help coming his way. No, and, and you know... Th- we have talent at receiver. I, I think there's no question Absolutely. there. And we saw some of it flash, right? I mean, Logan Loya had a, a largely a good game. He caught five balls for six to three yards on the road in college. Yeah, Jay I Michael think had a nice s- long catch. Yeah, J. Michael had a long catch. Like They played overall decently. Carson Ryan played well. Um, you know, He's from Utah, so it was a little bit of a homecoming for him. But even... You know, Loya and Sturdivant, I both remember having drops as well. So while they did play largely decent, like they still had, were susceptible to making these major mistakes in, in critical situations. And it, it is something that we need to, to, to um, iron out ASAP. And, and I don't know if that's, that's on the players or if this is just a lack of coaching just not getting these guys prepared for this it's especially shocking for a guy like Loya or, or Sturdivant who've played a decent amount at this point in a call of college football um yeah that was that was a, a big surprise to me the the drops in this game uh I was not expecting that to happen and then, frankly we were shooting ourselves in the foot um and all this comes to, uh, what are we thinking of Dante Moore at this point? I, I, I started this off saying, look, I, I don't think this is on him. And I, I do firmly believe that, but how do we approach Dante Moore going forward to make sure that he, we can maximize his talents? Because I, I do think we saw a lot of of good things out of Dante Mora despite him playing overall not well. And a lot, a lot of that was not necessarily his fault. Yeah, well, I, to state the obvious, the coaching plays such a huge role in this. And Chip Kelly's like main calling card is calling offense that your quarterback and your offense can execute really well. And that's, I think, step one. In this, and I don't, and, and and we don't know what kind of quarterback Dante Moore is yet because we haven't seen him play enough. But is he a guy that needs some easy completions early on in the game to get him going? Um, you know, is he a guy that needs to be throwing deep balls every like two or three passes just to like keep that to keep his confidence up? I, I have no idea. That's Chip Kelly's job, so he's got to figure that out with him, and they've got to figure this out with this patchwork offensive line that they put together. So that's that's one thing. The receiver, I, I just think there's too much talent there. Um, it can't be as bad as it was. Uh, that that can't happen again. If that's going to happen again, then like, then I don't know what we're going to see from Dante Moore this year. Because because what do you do at that point? I do think a huge thing we got to focus on is just that was not a UCLA running game that we saw out there. Uh, we're used to that looking a certain way the last two years. And a part of this also is because we speculated on this last year too, right? Um, because generally speaking, a transfer like Zach Charbonnet does not come around every year. A guy that's about to go be a second-round NFL pick comes around the transfer portal just so happened to be from LA and you know was feeling homesick in Michigan and sitting behind some other five star like that that was just such a unicorn situation and I like Carson Seale I like TJ Harden you can tell right there like there is a there is a difference we're, we're playing in another league right now when it comes to the athleticism the balance Zach Charbonnet would find ways to make five yard runs out of one one yard losses and you can just imagine what a thing like that would do for you in a game like this with a quarterback like Dante Moore. But now you're trying to patchwork it all together. And, and I like Carson Steele, but, but again, you can see that there's levels to this. Um, he, he can have a great season. He's not Zach Charbonnet. No one is, and, and maybe no one is. So 
again, this is this is where all this is me projecting my fears right now. Is the transfer experiment really catching up on us? Like you asked me a different question, but that's really what my answer is. Like I I, I hope well, that's not. Right. I yeah we we can we can go back to Dante in a second. I don't think we need our running backs to be Zach Charbonnet. Uh, I think I've seen enough out of TJ Harden and Steele. Like, we have a solid to good, even, running back tandem there. We have some power. We have some speed. We have some shiftiness. We have a lot of talent we can work with. I, I think what is going to be the limiting factor here is the offensive line. Look, what we saw at Utah, even if Zach Charbonnet was there, I don't know if he would be able to work some magic because each of those guys was getting hit two, three yards behind the line. Yeah, no fair. Like, it was – I don't know how you – how you can – how you can improve or or run when when you're getting hit, right, basically as you get the ball handed off to you. The other thing is I think Utah scouted us out incredibly well. I mean, they stopped every outside run. I mean, they were there. If you tried to run outside, they knew it was coming, and they were there. Uh, and so we, when we ran up the middle a little bit, we did see a little bit more success there. Like, But just the outside zone was just was not working. And that this, again, this is on Chip Kelly to some degree. We... we needed to adjust we needed to shift a little bit when we did it worked but we just didn't commit to shifting um and so you know the combination of that with an offensive line that's letting you get hit two three yards behind the the line of scrimmage yeah we're gonna not we're gonna be really unsuccessful running the ball i don't care who you have back there uh so i i do think that if we can clean some of that up Obviously, the play calling was boneheaded all across, but we cleaned some of that up. If we can get a semblance of life on the offensive line, I think we'll be okay there. But it is a huge cause of concern because I th- we've talked about this a lot. Chip Kelly's been running to throw the ball, right? Like, he's, his, his offense since Oregon has always been we, to run the ball. That, yep. That's what he likes to do. Exactly, and so if we cannot establish that, we're not going to be good on offense. Like plain and simple. Yeah, and and again, I think this next game becomes very telling, and and we'll have next week to preview it and whatnot. But but Washington State is is such an interesting matchup right now, um, and in many ways it becomes kind of like a must win because after that you go to Oregon State. You still have the tricky games of Colorado and at Arizona, and then of course the rivalry game uh, towards the end of the year. So this starts to become kind of the point at which, and I know it's it's game five of the year, but this is life in the Pac-12 this year. We lose this game, like we're staring down the barrel of seven and five again. Oh yeah, easy, and, right? And and that's just that's just how it is. And Washington State, again, really really interesting because. On offense, I mean, Cam Ward, that passing attack, it's moving. Um, and what's the one part of our defense that wasn't tested against Utah? It was the corners. Um, and and that's, that's they're probably going to test us there. And on the other side, was this an aberration? Or did Utah just have us really well scattered out on a day in that, sta- that stadium where everything just goes their way? Um, we're going to find out a whole lot real fast here. Well, let's talk about Dante Moore now. Dante Moore. I, I, I think we need to – I think we have to. He's our quarterback. He had a poor game. Uh, I think we can talk – we talked a lot about why. You know, we can blame – part of that blame needs to be on the offensive line. Part of that blame needs to be on the receivers. I, I also think we, we just saw some freshman mistakes happening, and I think that trial by fire at Utah will help down the line. I think it will help him mature and grow. But I think what we saw from him was he he stayed poised for 90% of the game. 
And I think that is a really telling thing to see him in that kind of environment getting hit after, you know, taking a hit after a hit after a hit, having receivers drop balls when he's throwing it accurately. And he, you know, did not seem to lose confidence really until the very end of the game. I think he was feeling a little rushed. You could tell he was forcing it a little bit. You could see the the touch that we've seen from him throughout the se- this short season so far really drop, and he was kind of uh, rifling the ball in a little bit harder than he should be. Like those things happened, and he it all kind of added up to a pretty bad game from him. But let's look at the context here. I mean, this is his first true road game as a college freshman, a true college freshman. And he didn't have the luxury to kind of break himself into that kind of environment. He got thrown into probably the hardest place to play in the Pac-12. Yeah, look, Dante Moore, after playing the first half that he did, you take out the last drive, right, where obviously pressure came his way. Went 9 for 14 in that that second half. Um, And a a lot of his numbers came in that second half. So I think you got to give him a lot of credit that, you know, once we got the protection sorted out with the max protect and such, and he started to just get a little bit of time back there to get comfortable, he was able to make some plays. And I think he deserves credit for that. Why did we go away from that max protect? We, we can beat that horse until we're dead. Right. Um, so I think there's some good stuff there. I do think, you know, this is about that, that point for, for quarterbacks, a young quarterback, we don't know what kind of stuff Dante Moore is made of. The coaches know better. It is going to be crucial, I think, now going forward in the, in the Washington State game and such that we really make that quarterback friendly. Because what we don't want is Dante Moore to have a couple of bad games in a row and then he starts to doubt himself and the confidence goes down and, and that starts to, that can have a, a snowball effect there. I, I, I think that he but he, he showed a lot of poise I, I still think um, you know coming back the way he did in the second half after what was he like 5 of 16 or something at halftime um, to come back put a few drives together and then like towards the end of the game put a touchdown drive together in the face of all that adversity I think was was really courageous that last drive again the moment you went from max protect to a five man, to five man protection even if you needed it he started looking at the rush immediately because that's just what was happening every time he was in that situation the whole game. Um, and that's like, obviously it's, it's fresh with mistakes, but that's where our coach has got to help him out because you can tell that there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of good stuff there. Um, you could see in that last drive, he, he had some opportunities, I think to make some plays to some pretty wide open receivers, but he knew that rush was coming, and he—you could tell—he was a little panicked and a little sped up in those situ in that situation. Like, I think if he had a split second more, he would have picked that that pass out possibly. But you could tell he was a little bit rushed because you know the pre- he knew the pressure was coming. He knew there was no max protect, so you could see that the thought process, his his decision making was impacted there. But yeah. Yeah, look, I here's the good news. We're not going to see a defense quite like that the rest of the year. That's true. Right? That so, is true. So for Dante Moore, this is as bad as it gets. And, and, and frankly, playing at Rice Cycles, that's as bad as anything gets in college football outside of, like, going to Athens and playing Georgia or something, right? Like, uh, that that's as hard as it gets. Washington State, we talked about them. They don't really play defense. Oregon State's got an all right defense. Um, you know that that they're nothing to sniff at. But I wouldn't say that they're Utah by any stretch. And then obviously nobody obviously, is right. Uh, Colorado, Arizona, ASU, Cal. This is as bad as it's going to get for Dante Moore. So if he can learn from this, he still got a chance to put a, put a really good season together. Absolutely, and you know, based on what I've seen from him this week and some of the interviews and whatnot, like. He seems to be a pretty mature, reserved kid. I, I, he didn't seem too down on himself. He, I, I don't know if you saw he was uh, today or yesterday, maybe. He was hanging out with his offensive line, took him out to dinner. Um, again, this is a small thing, but 
that's a good that's a good thing to see from your quarterback is you know let's build some chemistry with the offensive line let's you know try to get get these guys to to get be a little bit more motivated to protect whatever he needs to do but you know building some of that camaraderie there is is good to see and I, I think that we've seen maturity and poise from him even at at this you know young juncture of his career at UCLA so I I, I think we will see this experience for him pay dividends down the road I, I truly think that I think he's he's experienced the worst of it he knows what this is all about now now he can kind of pick himself up, learn about it, you know, learn from the, from this experience, move on to the next game. Uh, I think that's that's what we we will see from him. And I don't know if you saw the or read the LA Times article about him um, in yep. growing up. I, I think that, that that interview and that article kind of demonstrated a lot of that as well. It's just like he he seems to be a student of the game. He does puts a lot of time and effort into film studying even the opponent's stadiums like things like that i think show that he he pays attention to details and is willing to learn and and all of this experience i think will will help him in the end um and you know we just talked a lot about how bad this game was (laughs) and it was bad like let's let's make no mistake like that was a very frustrating terrible game to watch it was a slog all that being said, we were in a position to win that game multiple times and even tie it with time expiring, uh, which is wild, right? Like, I think we were talking during the game when it was 14-0 at halftime, and we were like, oh, God, we're going to lose like 28 or 35-0 at this rate. And I will give the team that much credit, though, that they, especially the defense, hung in there, did not... Uh, get blown out, prevented a blowout, and really kept UCLA as a whole in the game, even to the point where even the offense kind of came to life a little bit and was able to to close that gap. So I think there's a little bit there to be encouraged about, but when we do talk about the next game next week, um, there's some some stuff we need to clean up. But the good news is we're on a bye week this week, so – what do we what do we want the coaches to do this week? Like what do we what do we hope they're doing with this team right now? I hope that they're they're figuring out how do they get Dante Moore comfortable in the game. And it's not just about Dante Moore because that means then how do you get this enti- this new offensive line that hasn't really played together outside of a couple couple of guys here. Um how do you get them going? Uh how do we get a running game going earlier so that we're not just, just straight but dropping back and passing 35 times in a game that we're only down by seven um you know that that's the or we're down down by 14 that's the kind of stuff that i think um we gotta start getting together you know i don't know if this is a playbook issue i don't know if this is you know we got to put put in like more stuff i don't know but that's the that's the focus to me uh, we we, we got to just find a way to get our quarterback comfortable and in in that realm you know get our offensive line comfortable. So I have a, I have a list of four things that I think comprises some of what you just said. Number one, and this is the top thing that we should be doing right now. We need to figure this fucking line out. I, I don't care what they need to do, like move guys around, start freshmen like i we need to we need to reshuffle because whatever they put out there is not working and if that is the best uh combination of guys we can put out there then we are in trouble but we got to do something here i i don't know what but shuffle guys around and figure that out as much as you can i think that's that's number one i think number two we gotta make sure that the receivers get their minds right, get their hands right. Like we cannot see a disaster class of drops like that again, because that impacts everybody, especially Dante Moore. I think number three is, yeah, we gotta, we gotta make sure Dante's feeling all right. Keep his confidence up, you know, get him, get him feeling more comfortable with the playbook and the offense and, you know, build that trust with the, with his teammates again, like that all needs to happen. And I think we need to make sure that 
you know, he's, he comes out or came out of Utah, um, with his head up high, um, and going into Washington state with some confidence. I think the last thing is let's, let's keep doing what we're doing on defense, man. Like let's keep that, that hunger on that side of the ball. Like I think the coaches and Danton Len need to keep those guys hungry and, and just keep coaching them up and get them better. As I, I, I think from uh, the front seven perspective, we've seen again, a master class against Utah. I'll call it that, but I think we can be even better. I think we can be better on that front. Now, if we get better there, that takes off a lot of the pressure on the secondary that's been untested. Still some question marks there for me, but I, I think the defense is just keep doing what they're doing, keep keep improving every day, every practice. Uh, and then the last thing, I guess I said four, but the fifth thing is let's game plan the hell out of Washington State. I think we'll, we'll get into the game preview, but... Um, yeah, they have a good we quarterback. We got to put our stuff in for sure. Like, dude, yeah. this is a game. Got to bring it out. We got to bring it out. This is, like you said, has become a almost must win game. And so, defensively, they're not great, but offensively, they can sling the ball around, and they have a pretty good quarterback uh, there. So, we we really need to to step up our scouting and and figure out what we need to accomplished to to stop that aerial attack because i i think i think we will be able to move the ball on them i don't think we're going to face that kind of pass rush um nor are they going to have the ability to tee off on on dante so let's let's scheme um especially on the offensive side of the ball like we gotta get get this figured out so that's on chip and so chip chip needs to come up with a much better game plan than he did against utah we do those five things i think we'll be we'll be in a much better place so now that's the the bye week coming up this week you know in in the in our league two big marquee games um utah going to oregon state on a friday night so you know interesting that they get to play on a friday night uh and this could be cam rising's debut i'm still i think i don't think that's been confirmed yet right and it has not no yeah and then saturday obviously the big game everyone's talking about is is sc in colorado um is it really that big anymore uh it's it's a bit you, you know th- this is did you watch the the sc arizona state game at all uh i did not watch it but i was following it and i i told you pac 12 after dark gets weird yeah so i watched like almost every snap of that game um and Arizona State, they they ran all their tricky plays and everything early in the game and stayed in it the whole way. But the main thing is that SC, they, they cannot tackle in space. I think they have improved up front. So, so SC's, SC's defense is really interesting right now because overall nationally they're 61st, you know, d- despite the, the schedule that they've played so far, right? So 61st in total defense. But if you look at the advanced stats, like their pressure rate is like above with the best of like everyone right now. So that's their strength on Colorado, but they also just can't tackle like the, the not so fast Arizona State guys in space. So that'll be it's a interesting. problem when you're trying to tackle Shadra Sanders. So that'll be interesting. And if they can get the ball out to Horn and some of these other like, uh, you know, speedy playmakers that they got. The thing is, the book is out on Colorado on how to defend them. Um, you know, if you can defend those quick screens, if you can defend, you know, some of those quick passes, and also just like completely give them a light box because they can't run the ball with the, with that offensive line. Um, that book is kind of out. You know, if, let's see if, if SC can follow that book now with 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 Alex Grinch. Overall, though, I, I mean, I don't I don't think Colorado will stop USC one time. Um, not not one. I, I think if they wanted to, USC would score every single time. I don't know. I'm going to be a big Buffs fan this week. I think we so, all are. Um, Coach, Coach Prime, I think he's going to figure it out. Well, hey, if he figures it out, fine by me. That sounds good. I mean, 61st ranked defense with the schedule that they've played so far. 
So let's just <laughs> let's just keep that in mind. That's abysmal. Uh, honestly, that's bad. It's yeah, that's that's not good. You know, the but team that's you know their not... offense is so good that it might not matter. No, yeah. well, in this game, it's not going to matter, and I, I I really don't see a way that that SC loses. And frankly, I could see it. They can see you could see them get like run it away. They're a twenty-one and a half point favorite right now, um, and that's with an over/under of seven seventy-three and a half. So you know you can put together the scores there of what's what's being protected. But yeah, it's predicted to be ugly again. I have faith in Coach Prime in this one. I I think I think uh, the Oregon game obviously got way out of hand and they exposed them a little bit. But I, I think this one. Coach Prime's gonna be up for it, you know. This is uh this is another big marquee matchup and you know, they're gonna be licking their wounds a little bit and they're gonna come out hungry. You know the team that's looked really dominant so far? Washington. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think this last game is, is a little deceptive because, you know, Cal scored a ton of points late. Um, but like Michael Penix was out midway through the third quarter. I think of this game and like ev- until he was in like he left the game midway through the third quarter when the score was 52 to 12 um yeah they've been dominant yeah they look they look really good and uh I'm happy UCLA is missing them this year very happy but uh who knows we might have to play them next year in the Big Ten that's true but a lot of these guys or will be uh, in the championship game this year Pac-12 championship. Of course. Of course. <laughs> um, cool. Anything Anything else? We have anything else to say about this last game or bye week? No, I think we got it. Cool. Well, you know, we get a week off, a uh, weekend off, and so we get to just kind of sit back and enjoy the rest of the college football uh, games this weekend, which is kind of nice. I, I like having the feels like a, a day off, you know? Like, I don't have to stress about UCLA this weekend. So, um, looking forward to that and enjoying some of these other games starting on Friday. So, um, you know, with that, we'll be back next week to preview UCLA Washington State. Uh, and until then, you know, feel free to follow us on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it. Uh, the show is available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and basically everywhere you can find podcasts. And I think with that, we will go ahead and sign off. And as always, go Bruins. Go Bruins.